0: ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of god of all ages welcome to the city place church podcast wherever you are in the world we thank you for making the time to tune in take a moment to get focused clear your mind close your eyes open your heart and receive what god has for you on this day
1: hey good morning city place church online i'm so excited that you're here today i know i already know by faith that you are supposed to be here you are supposed to be ready and buckled up to get all that god has for you this morning i want to give you a couple of housekeeping notes if you have not gone to cityplacechurch.com backslash notes just yet what are you waiting for head over to the computer go ahead and print out some notes or you can visit the bible app the YouVersion bible app and all of the notes will be uploaded this week right for you digitally. While also, if you're visiting us for the very first time, welcome to the family.
0: Well, hey, City Place Church, Pastor Damon and Taisha, and man, we are excited to be in this season of intentional generosity. And over the last few weeks, you've been hearing us talk about our special seeds offering that's gonna be taking place on December the 12th.
1: That's right, we are preparing and we are praying and we are asking you to do the same. As we adopt the spirit of generosity, we are a church that lives to give. We're asking that you would prayerfully take back to the Lord. God, what responsive action are you asking of me in my house this year as I root myself and plant Seed in the ground at City Place Church.
0: That's right. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says this in verse 10. It says that God has given seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And it says that God wants to increase your seed and the supply of your seed to produce a harvest in your life. And this is what Paul says. Paul says that that seed that's sown will result in the thanksgiving to God. And so we're believing yeah. that on December the 12th, that we're going to make three, Kingdom impacts one with you moms.
1: That's right. This is a ministry that is specifically geared towards women that are have even considered abortion. And we have decided as a church to come around these moms to not only pray with them and to walk them through this season, but also as they choose life to support them and bless them in a major way. With the Seeds offering, we are gonna be sponsoring some moms to support their daycare expenses yeah. for the first full Come on. year.
0: That's right. And then the second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna invest as, in a, uh, as a church, in our online experience. you know, uh, We love seeing you every week, but the interaction is what we want to do. And so we want to invest in the equipment and the technology that allows us to interact from our in-person service.
1: That's right. We are looking forward to this ability to be able to interact with you and to see you and to see your faces on the weekend. So we are so looking forward to that. And the last thing that we are so excited about is our facility you know that we have been praying through god will you give us the ability to have a space where throughout the week we can be a pillar for the community where we can begin to sow and pour back into the lives of our existing community and we need to ask god to say you know what we know that when you've made us faithful over small things you will give us the ability to increase that so we are praying clearly that we will have a physical home in this community, and we're asking you to join with us in prayer and get ready to put seed in the ground for all that God will do.
0: Amen. So a seed offering happening December the 12th. So here's what we want you to do. Pray like Pastor Taisha said, but also we want you to label what you're believing God for in your own personal life. And so it's going to be an amazing season here at City Place Church as we're intentionally generous with the seed that God has given us to sow. God bless you.
1: Well, good morning. I absolutely love the word of God and I am so excited that we get the opportunity to meet together this morning to study God's word. If you haven't already done it or you're just joining us and you haven't gone to download the notes, go ahead cityplacechurch.com backslash notes, get yourself the notes so we can dive in to today's time. Well, I love this time of year. Every now and then, pastor will give us a series called Church at the Movies. And we are at this time of year where we're just starting to think about movies and popcorn and eggnog and all of the things on our brain. And today is no different. But fun fact, as we get started and our brains are in this vein, when I was a teenager, I, uh, I was casted on a teen talk show. Now don't you try to go Google any footage because it's before your time, okay? It is on the VHS and it is not accessible. But one of the things that I remember so starkly is being under the lights and having an audience of people and walking up so nervous because I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't realize that you really had to prepare and that it would be so much pressure. But there was a time where everybody was in the audience, that everybody was in a a space that's quiet with lights and cameras, and they would say the famous words. They would say, everybody, quiet on this set. And everybody, no matter if you were in the middle of a really juicy conversation, if you were having some back channels, if you were just thinking or talking to yourself, everybody knew that that was the cue, the time, for you to be completely silent because the footage was about to roll And then of course it was followed by the famous word action. And when that clicker clicked and when it hit, we knew that it was time to be on. Action, action. I've never forgotten that feeling of knowing that I was going to be sort of like I am this morning talking directly to an audience of people that I'd only been thinking about. And this morning there's a group of people that are only praying for you. Only God will know how you'll be touched this morning, but this word action signifies that it's time to get started. So today I figured it was very fitting for us to have the title as we dive into God's word on this subject, action. Now we've been talking a lot, as I said, about church at the movies. We've been preparing ourselves for movies. So what an appropriate title that today we would be diving into action. So let's see what the word of God teaches us about this word action and how we can get ourselves prepared for the Lord. So as we get started today, I have a quick pop quiz for you. Are you ready? I'm gonna give you a pop quiz anyway, even if you're not ready. So here's my question for you. It goes a little something like this. The primary purpose of the word of God is so that we... And I want you to choose the best answer here. Is it number one, so that we enjoy it? Is it number two, so that we study or meditate on it or ponder it? Or number three, is it so that we obey it? And I don't want you to answer too fast. You might have a knee jerk reaction and say, of course I know the answer, this is it. It's to fill in the blank. But is the primary purpose of the word of God. God's living, breathing word that he has given to us to guide us is the primary purpose of his word so that we can enjoy it, so that we can study it, or so that we can obey it. A lot of times we think about uh, this and, and I have put together this stick figure for us, okay? So this is the opportunities where we might absorb the word of God, where we might enjoy it, study it, and obey it. So if we do this in a, like a human body form, maybe you and I would think about studying the word of God or even pondering the word of God as something we do with our brains, right? If I'm going to study something, I'm going to really digest it. I'm going to go through the word. I'm going to think about it. I'm going I'm to search the scriptures. I'm going to look through the historical context. I'm going to see what commentaries have to say about certain topics. So maybe that I use more of my brain, right? My thinking power to accomplish that. But what about if the word of God, if the primary purpose of the word of God is for us to study it or meditate on it or ponder it, well, which part of the body does that sort of apply? And in the figure here, you can see that that's probably happening in our hearts, right? The Bible says uh, that we meditate on the word of God, that we think about it day and night, that we are to study and search the scriptures, but where does that need to happen if we're gonna really study it? We have to get it from our heads, right? to our hearts it's got to soak in it's got to sink down so that it really sits with us but how about when we say option three If the primary purpose of the word of god what part of the body would that fall if we say the primary purpose is to study it maybe that's in our head to ponder it or meditate on it maybe that's in our heart how about if we obey it what part of the body do we go to Maybe you're thinking, well, Pastor Ty, that's easy. It's probably the hands or the feet or something that's like getting a move on, right? To obey it. But actually, I submit to you this morning that obedience actually looks a little more something like this. Yeah, you see in the picture that when God asks us for obedience, it's something that actually happens in our head, in our heart, and also in our limbs, in our hands, and in our feet. I say a little something like this, obedience or true obedience is a whole being experience. And so today we're gonna talk about what it means for action in God's word, what it means for obedience. What does God call us to as Christ followers, as we are seeking and yearning to follow after him? I love this in Proverbs 1, 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, given what we're talking about with the head and the heart and the feet this morning, it's so interesting because this particular scripture, if we step back and just look at it, says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's our head. That's what we think about as wise. That's the things that we're trying to study and figure out and God, I don't understand. And and we're looking at it from a theological perspective, but the fear of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord, the honor of the Lord is actually the beginning of knowledge. I wonder if you've ever thought when you're thinking about God and and there's something in scripture that maybe you don't understand or something you're having a hard time wrestling with or, or maybe there's a concept that you're just wrestling through, if you and I would see the fear of the Lord as the first step in understanding God's word. I think about it like this, without the proper placement of God, without the proper perspective of God, without the proper honor of God, meaning that he is God separated from us, that he is not a human with human minds and human understanding, that he is God, we say it like this old school, all by himself. The fear of the Lord is actually what helps us unlock some understanding of the Lord. But it says this, the second part of verse uh, seven in Proverbs one, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I was listening to uh, uh, a speaker that I love very much, Jackie Hill Perry, and she said like this, she asked this question, have you ever known someone who is so smart and so dumb at the same time? I think about that in this scripture, there's a person who could be so wise, they could know all the things, they could be so smart, so learned, so accomplished, but yet lack the fear of the Lord and lack the wisdom of God's word. God doesn't desire for you and I to live in this place that we would have head knowledge, that we would just simply study his word, that we would just have places in our lives and in our our beings where we would understand God, but it hadn't sunk anywhere yet, that we didn't have any tools, that we didn't have any application. So this morning we have a couple of tools to get us from our head to our heart to our feet because it's time for action, can you say amen to that? The second thing that we asked in our, our initial question, What what is the primary purpose of the word of God? Is it to just enjoy it? Is it to read it, to study it, to meditate on it? Well, there's an example of that. Studying and meditating on God's word is actually something that the Bible instructs us to do. It's a very good thing, it says this, uh, th- before we jump in actually to scripture, I just wanna take a quick pause break because the verb, the word ponder, to ponder, meditate, to muse, to ponder, these are all very similar words just in the English language. And so I just pulled up the dictionary, the good old Merriam-Webster dictionary. And I said, well, what, what do you define ponder as? Ponder is a, it feels like a very interesting word, a very fancy word that we would think about pondering God's word. And so I thought, well, what what does that mean? If God's word is gonna be here in our brains, if it's even gonna soak down to our heart, what does that mean? Here's what the Merriam-Webster dictionary says. It says to ponder, pondering is an active process. I circled that word active, which means to consider or examine attentively or deliberately in order to keep safe. Ponder implies a careful weighing of a problem or often prolonged inconclusive thinking about a matter. I love this idea of pondering as an active process. So often I think about my thinking or even reflecting as something that happens and then it sits there, but that's not what the dictionary actually says. It says that to ponder is an active process by which somebody would continually weigh and consider what is happening. The root word of ponder actually is the same root word that is used for till. Like if you have a garden and you need to till the soil, you need to take the things from the bottom and bring it to the top and take the top and bring it to the bottom. It's tilling the seed of the word of God in our heart. Now we're going somewhere because scripture gives us a good example as well about pondering God's word and God's promises. So go with me, if you will, to Luke Chapter one, And I'm gonna jump down to verse 30. This is the time where we begin to think about the Christmas story and how Jesus came to the earth to visit us and to be with us. And so in Luke chapter one, it says this, uh, it says, uh, but the angel said to her talking about Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy one to be born will be called the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative is gonna have a child in her old age And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. I love that verse. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. A couple of verses later, we see that Mary is getting ready to have Jesus. And of course, as the scripture foretells, there's no space. And so what happens? They go out to a barn. They go out to an inn, a stable. And this is where the son of God is born. But before this happens, an angel goes to some shepherds, goes to three wise men to give them notice. And the Bible says this. Look, if you haven't read this story, you need to crack open your Bible because in between Luke one and in between Luke two, there is a holy gospel choir. This is the heavens open and not only does an angel come to these shepherds, but also all the angels in heaven start singing, okay? They got like a praise party going on. Can you imagine being there as like a host of angels start singing? And they announce the birth of Jesus and tell him to like get on the good foot because Jesus is is in a stable waiting for them. And this is what it says in Luke 2, beginning in verse 17. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. There's that word that we're talking about. There is the word that I asked you about the primary purpose of the word of God. There it is that Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. So then the question is, what was she pondering? What was she thinking about? What was she weighing? What was she, what was she deliberating on? And you have to think at this moment that Mary as a young girl was pondering a couple of things because in all of her uh, glory of being the the mother of our savior, she was still but a human. So Mary uh, in this scripture, as she pondered all of these things and stored them up like treasures within her, she was thinking about her own angelic visit the word of the Lord that came to her that said, not only will you have a child, but he will be called and he will do and he will fulfill. And she was thinking to herself, likely for the very first time, I believe it. It just might be true. Even though I have gone through the process of, of having a child that I know I didn't conceive, it, it's, it's coming full circle. And not only that, what the angel told her, hey, your cousin Elizabeth is also with the baby. It's true, I'm watching it be fulfilled. And then finally, when the wise men come and they affirm to Mary the same thing that she was told at a totally separate time, she likely realized it's all true. Mary gives us this example of pondering, which I submit to you today has way more application than we might even know. See, you and I had the invitation just the same to ponder the word of the Lord, the same way that she pondered and stored up treasures in her heart. You see, Mary had the opportunity when she was visited by the angel to receive it, although she had not seen it. By faith, she received some things, although she didn't have total clarity. She heard the angel say what would happen, but she didn't know why it was going to happen. Have you ever been there where you feel like God is speaking to you or leading you to something or even opening a door or closing a door and you don't really have all the pieces or even know why yet? Mary didn't have all the pieces either, but it said that she tucked some things away. And where did she tuck them? In her heart. Because as we're meditating on God's word, pondering his word and and storing it up, we store it up with our heart. And that is the combination of our head, pondering and our heart. You see, you can't just get to your heart without first giving access to your thinking. And Mary gives us this example. We also see this in Psalms 143.5, it says this, I remember the days of old, I meditate on all that you have done, I ponder the work of your hands. This is an example in scripture where we ponder the goodness of God, remembering all that he has already done and the goodness that comes with his character. 2 Timothy 2.8 also gives us this idea in scripture. And by the way, we see pondering about 15 times in the Bible in multiple different versions. It says this, meditate on Jesus, the Messiah who was raised from the dead and is a descendant of David. 2 Timothy is telling new church, New Testament believers, it's time for you to meditate, for you to let it soak in. Don't just let it stay here in your head. Bring it down to your heart. Bring the power of of the Savior down from your head to your heart. I put it like this, and you can find it in your notes this morning. We must give, as we ponder the word of God, we must give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to both instruct and direct. And sometimes, church, this comes without clarity. Sometimes, like Mary, we don't get the why. We don't get the full blueprint and details. We don't get all of the foretelling, but we must give the Holy Spirit room if we are to ponder. So how then you might be asking, Pastor Ty, do I actually put this in practice in my life? How do I ponder the word of God or meditate on the word of God? And that's a fantastic question. There's a couple of ways we can do that. The first thing is just to give God your full attention. I remember when I was young, my aunt uh, would go into her, her uh, office and she had this crazy knack. I mean, it was incredible. She had this crazy knack for ignoring her seven children. Now, it was a house full and the, all the children were hers and she could just go into a place that could tune out a child like I have never seen before. And I remember my cousins, they would go, mom, mom, mom mom and they would yell her name over and over and she would just be lost it was like she could take her mind to a totally different place and isn't it amazing that when we are getting our face in god's word it could be the smallest little thing it could be a flash of light it could be a ring on the cell phone it could be an email that we just can't get off of our minds and the first thing that we do is to not give our full attention to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So the first thing that we can do as we meditate on the word of God is just to give him our full attention. Let me shut things down and slow down and, and to fully digest and absorb what you're speaking. And that's the second point, reading it slowly and thoughtfully. The third thing that we can do as we're meditating and pondering the word of God is to investigate context. Well, I'm reading the word, but... What's happening here? Who are the players? What's happening in this place in history? Why is God instructing this? Why are they saying that? Why is this important to the heart of God? Investigating the context, the history, or the cultural norms. The fourth thing that we can do is memorize the word of God. You see, as we meditate on the word of God and it's coming into our spirit, it's one of these things where the word of God becomes part of us, not just a thing we do. And if we're going to do that, and if we're going to do it founded on the word of God, then his word has to be in us, memorizing God's word. The other thing that we can do, and uh, I do this as a common practice, is I will repeat the promises of God in a meditative fashion. When I'm praying, I might be affixed on a promise of God or a particular scripture, and I continue to repeat it to my spirit. I will meditate on it. I will speak it back. I will call it out i do it in a meditative fashion so that it gets down in my spirit and finally i ask this and i invite you to ask the same i always ask this question and it comes down to this what is god saying to me through this scripture You see, if we believe that the word of God is not there just to collect dust on our stand, if we believe that it was written for a purpose and a reason, then we must ask ourselves, what is he trying to say to me? See, the Bible is not just a history text. It's not here to give us a historical account only. He's here to speak to you and to me today. So many of us, though, as we talk about pondering the word of God and meditating on the word of God, we stop there. But remember I said in the beginning that there were three parts of our body that we were going to talk about. We were going to talk about our head, our heart, and getting into our limbs. So many of us are content with a time with God that says, I am so full and I'm so content with what the Lord is showing me. I have so many conversations with people who start a sentence like, well, God is dealing with me in this area, or he's beginning to show me this, or even without words. Maybe you've felt a certain prompting from the Lord or a prick or a certain direction or a thing that the Holy Spirit would have you do. And so many of us get trapped in this second part right here. We stop with contentment with enjoying the word of God listening to the word of God, even letting it soak down to our heart, but being content when it stops there. And this morning I submit to you that there is one more step, an important step at that, that must be accomplished in order for us to succeed, and that is obeying the word of God. You see, even for this time, this teaching today, Obeying uh, is, is a little complicated. In fact, the definition of obey, obedience or obeying is to submit or to conform an action. And it says in parentheses to some guiding principle or impulse or conscience or something that is being requested of us. And this is different than just pondering. Obeying is actually requiring a submission. But here's the problem. In our society, obedience has gotten a bad rap. In fact, as I was preparing for this tonight, these are the pictures that came up. I did a little search for images related to obedience, and this is what we found. You see that there is a dog here being trained, being told to sit. Or you get the person that's clearly being yelled at, and the other person is the one that needs to submit and get in line. Our idea of obedience is not one that any longer aligns itself with the biblical worldview. And herein lies our problem. There are times when our cultural understandings, our modern day culture, does not line up with God's word. And somehow, some way, we have convinced ourselves that because obedience feels wrong and because we don't like to be told what to do, that it must not be godly. You would think that we would understand and get the lesson out of the actual word of God when the Bible gives us many accounts of individuals who chose not to obey God. I mean, beginning all the way from the Garden of Eden in Genesis, we see what happens when people decide to freestyle. In 1 Samuel 13, this is a scripture that I often go back to when I feel like my heart has gotten just a little bit too much leeway, you know what I'm saying? In 1 Samuel 13, go there with me if you will. I'm gonna begin reading in verse five. We're gonna dive into this action, (laughs) obedience, mandate from God, this thing that we don't like as a society. In 1 Samuel 13, it says, So the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Skipping down a little bit, it says, when the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in the pits and cisterns. And some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And Saul remained at Gilgal, And all the troops with him were quaking with fear. This was not a quick, easy, simple situation. This was the Israelite army in trouble. Saul says he waited. Saul waited seven days, uh, which was the time set by Samuel, the priest, by the way. But Samuel didn't come to Gilgal and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Now Saul was not the priest, he was the king. Saul needed to stay in his cotton picking lane, but he did not choose to do that. And just as he finished making the offering, Saul arrived or Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? Asked Samuel. And Saul replied, well, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you didn't come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You've done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. And if you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler over his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. You've probably heard that scripture before. And my heart aches. Man, my boy Saul, he had just been appointed and anointed king no more than a few little shakes had passed and he was facing his first battle my heart goes out to him because it's not like saul was like sort of in trouble he was really in trouble i mean the philistines weren't playing around they were out for blood and the entire army had scattered Come on, sometimes you and I are in situations where it's not like, what's your problem? Why are you afraid of that? No, we have legitimate reasons to be afraid. Like we have some serious stuff that we're up against, sometimes even as Christ followers. My heart goes out to Saul because the truth of the matter is Samuel, the prophet, he should have been there. Like he was late, okay? Samuel was late to the party. How many of you guys can relate to feeling like God is not coming through on time. I mean, we're quick to judge when we read the scriptures, but the truth is is that Saul was in a real pickle. But here's the problem. When Saul's back was against the wall, he did not say, God, if you don't come with us, then we're all gonna perish and that'll be that. But I'll be guilty of following you and trusting you. That's not what Saul did. He said, I'm not the priest, but it doesn't matter. Give me the sacrifice and I will take care of it myself. You see, Saul interjected himself even though a couple of verses earlier he had been given clear instruction. Now, here's the problem I can understand Saul's predicament, but what I don't understand is how he would brazenly and boldly disobey the word of the Lord. He didn't have any business being king. Saul had been appointed king where there was no king before, but something in his mind, whether it be his fear or his friend, whether it be the people that were scattering or whatever he had told himself gave him permission over the few verses earlier where he received the instruction to freestyle his own destiny. And let's not get too quick to judge Saul because sometimes you and I find ourselves in a freestyle position as well. I won't ask you to put your name or your hand up or woot woot in the chat or anything like that, but I know there have been some times where I say, but is that really what God commanded? I don't know if God really still feels like that. I think God has kind of progressed over the years. You know what I mean? I think it's, it's kind of okay with him now that he understands that our society no longer accepts these types of things. In fact, you and I every single day deal with truth as it relates to action and obedience. Let me give you a couple of examples. Here's one, uh, this is good for common day and we'll, we'll talk about what God's word says. Here's one, uh, I don't like being told what to do. we said that earlier. You know, there's a lot of people, I deal with a lot of very successful people, individuals who can have almost anything they need and want. And I realized one common characteristic, we don't like to be told what to do. I can do what I wanna do, but you know what I'm gonna do it? My way, my time, my but here's what the word of God tells us as it relates to obedience and action. The word of God, this is found in your notes, is to be obeyed. And by the way, it's immediately and in full. If there's one thing Samuel would tell us, I believe he would say, saints, don't play around with God's instruction, God's timing, and obeying it to the full. You see, Samuel... Uh, excuse me, Saul partially obeyed, he did obey. And you could even say, "But, but Pastor Ty, he did obey. He waited, he did the things. It was Samuel, it was the prophet, it was God who didn't come through, so he did it. He was offering it to God after all. But that's not what God saw. He saw partial disobedience, freestyle, and not being all the way faithful. Maybe you could relate to this one. Uh, This happens in our society. I hear this one a lot. But God is loving and patient. He's not the kind to be a God of wrath or structure. He's not going to hurt people or mess with people because he is patient and loving. Here's the truth that is found in God's word. And this is what Saul would tell us today. Don't get it twisted. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Just because God's loving, let's not mistake his loving nature for the fact that we can obey whenever we want. Let's not get it twisted and put it in the same pot that because his nature is good and his mercy endures forever, that he doesn't have standards that are meant to be obeyed. In fact, we learned from Saul that you freestyle, you do it in your own timing, you do it in your way. I consider that disobedience. We saw that Saul's kingdom was removed from him. What about this one? Maybe you've heard this, but God's ways are too restrictive. I believe that Saul would teach us this. No, no, no. Obedience brings freedom. God's word says that when we are rooted in Christ, that who he sets free, when we live our lives built on Christ, that he is the one that provides to us who believe in him and trust in him true Freedom And therefore, if his ways are restrictive, they can't be both restrictive and free at the same time. His obedience, his trust, building our lives upon him brings freedom. And what about this one? This is my personal favorite, but I should feel peace in my obedience. What's really happening when somebody tells me that I should feel peace in my obedience is they're really saying, if I don't feel good about it, if it makes me feel uncomfortable, if I don't agree with it, then I'm not going to obey it. And friends, just as clear as I can say it, let me say this, obedience does not equal comfort. There are so many times when we are obeying God that we are put in some uncomfortable situations, that we are faced with our own fears, that we are faced with our own insecurities as we pursue Christ more than ourselves. Don't you wait until you feel comfortable. Don't wait until you feel happy to obey God and what he's asking. And so I would say to you again, asking you the same question from the beginning. Is the primary purpose of the word of God for us to enjoy, for us to study and ponder and meditate, or is the primary purpose obedience? James 1.22 says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Another version says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see, friends, I I put this and it's in your notes. You are special. To God, you are so special. He took his time to form you and to make you so unique. You are special, but you are not the exception. The word in James 1:2: be doers, is an active tense. It is meant to say something that continually happens, meaning that you should continually become a doer of the word. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about all of the ways in which we are overcoming, which we are becoming all who God has called us to be in our minds, in our finances, in our lives, in the way that we approach him. We've been talking about areas and principles of putting God first and and overcoming things. And I would say that it all leads to the culmination of this moment. Is the primary purpose of the word of God, all that we've been learning over the last uh, few weeks together and months together, all the ways that we have leaned into God is the primary purpose so that we would enjoy a sermon, so that we would even think about it Pastor, that was really good today. That really got me stirred up. Or is the primary purpose, so that you and I would take the word of God and search our hearts and say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? What do I need to change immediately in my life to honor you with it? I leave you with this. There are three ways that we can honor God with action. That same click of the, of, the, of the little piece of wood that says it's time, it's go time, everybody is looking at you. I would say to you, City Place Church, right now is your moment. Right now is the time for action. The first thing that we can do is practice submission and honor. You see, you and I can get into a place where we're not ready or willing or even open for action when we don't adequately understand or place the proper reverence on God for who he is. We practice submission. We get the opportunity to do it over and over and again and again, whether it be somebody in authority over us that's another person or whether it be to God himself. The second thing that we do is we can maintain a heart that is ready to receive and respond. I don't know about you, but I'm in a totally different position when I know and I'm anticipating something that if I'm casually passing by and maybe you're talking to me and maybe you're not and oh, I'm sorry, did you say something? No, I'm in a position that's like, you're gonna talk to me at any moment. I'm ready, I'm waiting, I'm willing. We maintain a heart that is receptive, that is open, that is childlike. And lastly, we ask ourselves a second question. Not just what do you want to say to me, but this, God, what obedient, immediate action do I need to take in response to this scripture? What obedient, immediate action do you require from me? You see, each of us get the opportunity To experience God in our head, to experience him in our heart, and to experience him with our hands and feet. And can you imagine that Jesus Christ would have come down from heaven to be served and to experience and do life with 12 individuals closely and many more. In his lifetime, can you imagine that he would have come down from heaven, been born in a manger, spent 33 years on the earth for a group of men who would have just pondered him in their heart? Can you imagine what would have happened if that group of men hadn't taken any action? Dare we say that you and I might not even have the opportunity to even know or even comprehend or understand God's love for us right here today. It didn't take head. It didn't even take heart. It took their action. So God, what immediate, what obedient action are you requiring? I'm asking you City Place Church, every time you hear the word of God, every time you get a moment like this to not listen to a good sermon, but to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm ready. However you want to change me, whatever you have me to do, I'm ready. Can you say amen to that? Amen to that, to me too. I'm excited for this journey with you, City Place. And I'm excited for all that God is doing in our church, in the life of this church. There's a couple things I want to share with you and I want to take a moment to pray with you that even in this moment, some of you are watching and you would say, Pastor Ty, I can sense God even now drawing me to obedient and immediate action. Pastor Ty, there are some areas that I don't want to wait anymore. I'm not waiting for tomorrow or for the next good sermon or the next right opportunity. I'm not waiting for the sky to open up and the angels to sing right now, Pastor Ty. I know that it's time to get my life together and I'm choosing to be obedient. I wanna pray for you, right where you are. Doesn't matter if you're in your car, if you're in your living room, if there's people around you, if you're just by yourself in a coffee shop somewhere, it doesn't matter. I wanna pray with you. I wanna pray that Jesus would become alive in your heart and that no matter if you've accepted him once before or this is the very first time, that this would be the day that you take footsteps towards immediate action. Will you pray this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. And I believe that by the power of God, you rose from the dead. I confess that I have sinned, that I have fallen short from your glory. But today I declare that I'm a child of God and I accept you freely. Come into my heart and rearrange my life. I will be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that when you pray that bold prayer, that all of heaven is having a party and celebrating with you. So I wanna be the first to say congratulations and well done. Welcome home or welcome back to the family, whatever it may be, I'm just proud of you and I'm cheering you on. Listen, I want to give you some resources And I wanna give you the opportunity to join with your church family. So go ahead and fill out the digital connection card. The last thing we're about to do, church family, is we are going to bring our tithe and offering into the house of God. The Bible says that we bring this offering. We learned last week in the principle of first that we can't give to God what doesn't belong to us. We bring the offering into his storehouse. And so now's the time for us to give together. You know, I love this time. Just a couple of weeks ago, my family had a garage sale and I was so proud of my little ones, my kids. The first thing that they did is they sold some of their items and their their electronics and their toys. The first thing that they did is they said, this is the part that I'm bringing to God. This is such an excitement for me as a mom, as I think about the principle of the first and the ability to give God what already belongs to him, that he entrusts it to us. So will you prayerfully consider what the Lord would have you give right now? For some of you, you're preparing for our seeds offering that I'm so excited is gonna be taking place on December the 12th. I know that you're already beginning to pray and think through what God would have you do and how he would have you give. And so I'm so excited about that upcoming time. But right now, as a church family, we are diligently being faithful with our consistent weekly tithe and offering. You can go to City Place Church dot com backslash give and prepare to bring that tithe and offering to the lord well god we thank you for giving us the ability to bring the tithe and offering into your house we thank you that it's good seed in good soil in jesus name amen well family what a great sunday i love you so much Pastor David and I love you to pieces, love the mess out of you. And I'm so excited that we get to do this journey together. And I'll be looking for you next week. I'm so excited. Love you guys, have a great week, bye.
0: Thanks for joining us. If you've been encouraged by this message, be sure to subscribe to the City Place Church podcast. And we wanna hear from you. Post a picture on any of your social media outlets with the hashtag CityPlaceChurch to be a part of the conversation.